Welcome to the Disney Wedding Podcast, brought to you by Passporter's Disney Weddings and Honeymoons, the only guidebook and bridal organizer tailored exclusively to Disney's fairy tale weddings. I'm your host, Carrie Hayward. Each week I feature a different aspect of Disney weddings, from the latest news, information, and money-saving tips, to interviews with wedding vendors and real Disney brides and grooms. I also cover honeymoons, anniversaries, and engagements at the Disney parks and resorts. Join me now as the Disney Wedding Podcast celebrates romance at Disney destinations worldwide. Today on the Disney Wedding Podcast, we are talking all about the first steps for the newly engaged. Many, many people get engaged around Christmas time and New Year's Eve, and so I like to, every year, do a show that just tells you what are your first steps. If you've decided, hey, I want to have a Disney's fairy tale wedding, what do I do first? What things do I need to know before I call? Today, we are going to talk about all of those things. My guest today is Alexandra Alerta, who was married at the Wedding Pavilion at Walt Disney World and had her reception at the St. Augustine Ballroom at the Grand Floridian. And Alexandra is going to share her experience and her tips for when you are getting ready to start planning your Disney's fairy tale wedding. Welcome, Alexandra. Thank you, Carrie, for having me. Thanks so much for being on the show today. Let's just start with a little background on how you guys decided to have a Disney wedding and where you had it. We decided on having a Disney wedding because we've always loved Disney. We've been going now for 12 years. Jeff proposed to me at uh, Magic Kingdom during the Halloween party, and we were dressed up as Belle and the Beast. And we just decided from there that we wanted to have a Beauty and the Beast Disney wedding. That's awesome. So what were the first things that you did when you decided that? The first thing was we picked a date. We wanted to make sure it was our anniversary because we didn't want to remember a second date. (laughs) (laughs) And then we just went on the Disney wedding website and just tried to get some information to start planning and seeing where we could fit budget-wise and guest-wise. And so you had a wishes event at Walt Disney World. How many people did you invite and how many people ended up making the trip? We invited 100 guests, and we ended up with 48 guests, plus us was 50 total. So half. <laughs> okay. Did they have to come from very far? Um, no, most of them live around us, so it's about a two-and-a-half-hour flight. We had a few people come from farther, but not too many. Okay, great. Well, we'll talk a little bit more about your wedding as we go through the show today, and just feel free to chime in with any suggestions or tips you have for brides and grooms while we're covering all of the information. Okay, sounds good. So, step one, when you are first engaged and you think you want to have a Disney wedding, the first thing that you're going to want to do is decide whether or not you can afford it. And I know this sounds a little bit tough because... That's sort of uh, getting into the weeds, the nitty-gritty of planning. But I think for a lot of people, they just decide out of hand, oh, Disney wedding must be so expensive, I can never afford it. And they never investigate it and realize that they actually have some budget options. So I'll talk a little bit about the different options at Walt Disney World today. But I have shows devoted to each 
type of Disney wedding, and they have more details about what you get with them if they're a package or how to plan one if it's like wishes where everything is a la carte. So basically, at Walt Disney World, they have three different types of wedding, and the price of each type depends on what month of the year you want to have it. So they have two seasons. The low season is January through April, and then July through August, and then the high season, when the prices go way, way up, is May through June and September through December. So the smallest package they offer is called the Memories Collection, and it's for you two and up to four guests. It's not available on the weekends. It's only available Monday through Friday. And the prices are $2,500 if you do it during low season and $4,500 if you do it during high season. But the one advantage is that this collection includes tax and service charge. So unless you add something, you will just pay that flat $2,500 or $4,500. The other package that they offer at Walt Disney World is called the Escape Collection, and this is good for up to 18 guests plus the couple. It is also not available on the weekends, but like the Memories Collection, it includes all tax and service charge. So these prices are all you're going to pay unless you start adding things to the Escape Collection. So the prices are $5,000 in low season or $7,000 in high season for the outdoor locations at the resorts. So that would be Seabreeze Point at Boardwalk Inn or the Wedding Gazebo at Yacht and Beach Club. And then if you want to hold your escape event at the Wedding Pavilion or at Epcot, the price is $7,000 in low season and $9,000 in high season. And again, that includes all tax and service charge. And then the third type of wedding at Walt Disney World is not a package. It's called Wishes, and it is a completely a la carte option. So you have a set of minimums that you have to hit, but you can pick what elements you buy to meet those minimums. So there's a ceremony minimum that is fulfilled by the location you choose for your ceremony. And then there is a per-person food and beverage minimum, and then there is an enhancement minimum. And these prices, not only do they depend on the season, whether it's high season or low season, but they also vary by day of the week. So the very lowest price you're going to be able to have a wishes event for would be $8,500. That's if you only have 20 people, you have your event during low season, it's the middle of the week, Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday, and it's a brunch and your ceremony is at one of the resort locations or in Epcot, basically any place but the Wedding Pavilion or Magic Kingdom. <laughs> and then if you did want the Wedding Pavilion, the lowest you could get out the door for is a $9,000 minimum. But because these are minimums, that's just the prices you spend on the goods and services. There are also service charges and there is tax. So that is something to consider when you're looking at spending $9,000 for what they call a mini wishes at the wedding pavilion versus $9,000 for a wedding pavilion escape collection. There is one difference and that is that the escape collection is not going to have tax on top of that. Now, if you can't go during low season, the cheapest you can get away with for wishes would be a $13,000 minimum for a midweek ceremony someplace besides the wedding pavilion, and you would have to have a brunch. 
And then if you wanted to have the wedding pavilion, that minimum would be $13,500. So again, I have episodes on escape, memories, and wishes that you can listen to, and I'll put links in the post for this episode on DisneyWeddingPodcast.com so that that can help you make your decision of which type of Disney wedding you want to have. The other thing to remember, though, is that, of course, you're going to have many expenses you don't pay to Disney. So your formal wear, your travel, your rings, hiring an officiant, your honeymoon, anything not provided by Disney in the package or for your wishes event is going to be an extra cost. And one way that I suggest to figure out if this is something you can afford is to make a sample budget. I made mine in Excel, and I just listed all the things I thought I was going to get, and I went through where other brides and grooms had listed what they paid for certain things online, in Facebook groups, on message boards, and I punched all that in to see how much it was going to cost me. Since then, since I've written Passporters, Disney Weddings, and Honeymoons, I actually put a self-calculating budget worksheet in the ebook, so you can put in your expected prices, and it will calculate for you how much the tax is going to be, how much the service charge will be, how much of it applies to your minimums for Disney, and how much is going to be extra on top of that. So that can help you get an idea of whether or not you can afford to have a Disney wedding. We did the same thing with the Excel sheet, just to figure out budget-wise how many people we could have. That's a great idea. And really, people, the number of people is one of the largest factors determining how expensive your wedding is going to be. So if you can start at the beginning and figure out, you know, whittle that number down, that's going to have a big impact on how much your wedding costs. I so agree with you because food and, and the alcohol was probably the most expensive part of our wedding. Exactly. And the more people you have, the more food and alcohol you need. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <sighs> okay. So let's say you've looked at the numbers and you think, I think we can do this. Okay. What's the next step? Step two, if you want to start planning your Disney wedding, is to pick a date. And it doesn't have to be the exact date right now, but even just picking a month that you want to get married in will help. First of all, starting in 2017 with this introduction of high season and low season, the date that you pick can have a huge impact on how much you pay for your wedding. So again, low season is January through April and July through August, and high season is May through June and September through December. So that's one thing to consider. Maybe you have a meaningful date, like Alexandra was talking about the anniversary of when they started dating. Maybe you want to get married on a holiday like Halloween or your grandparents' anniversary. This can help you narrow it down. The other thing to consider if you don't really have any meaningful date to start out is what season do you want to get married in? So there are a couple factors, especially when you're talking about Walt Disney World, where different seasons have different pricing for lodging. So what are the best times of year to visit Walt Disney World? If you're concerned about crowds, obviously you're going to want to go in low season. And also prices are cheaper in low season. Also, airfares have seasons. And most of the time those line up with Walt Disney World seasons. But that's something to look at because that will affect how much you and your guests pay for flights if you have to fly to Walt Disney World and also for your hotels. So obviously holidays are going to be really crowded. They are going to have higher prices. Otherwise, the only thing that really changes based on time of year with a Disney wedding is the price of a DJ. They double their DJ prices on Fridays and Saturdays in December. And then that is on top of the already higher ceremony fee that you are paying for wishes because you are getting married in high season. So that is definitely something to consider. And then, of course, 
what would be a convenient time for your guests. In our family, we had a lot of teachers, and so we thought, well, let's pick President's Day weekend because then they'll all have it off work. And we started talking to them, and they all said they actually didn't want to travel on that weekend. It would be easier for them to go when it wasn't a holiday that everybody had off. And by moving our wedding forward by two weeks to early February instead of mid to late February, we saved so much money because it wasn't holiday pricing anymore, the airfares were cheaper, and we were able to have all of our guests come. So that's something to consider. Yeah, I totally agree with that because we fell into the value season for our wedding. So all of our guests were able to get pre-dining those that booked on property or they got like really good deals at the off-property rent-to-homes. So the rates were much better for our guests. That's really good to know. And for those of you who know a little bit about Disney weddings already, you can do, if you're doing a Disney wedding, you can set up what's called a room block where you reserve rooms. And sometimes the rates for those are discounted, but they can't be combined with package options like the dining plan. However, your guests can still book separately. They don't have to book through your room block and take advantage of things like free dining and then just give you their reservation number and you can send that to your Disney wedding coordinator and it will count toward the minimum number of rooms that you have to fill. But I have an entire episode on that called Room Block FAQ. That's sort of the advanced level of planning right now. Let's go back to the basic level of planning. All right, so the next consideration, you've picked a date or at least a month or maybe a week. Which day of the week do you want to have your event on? And this also has a big impact on price when we're talking about Disney's fairy tale weddings for the Wishes collection. Memories collection, Escape collection, they're the same every day of the week. But the Wishes collection, the minimums that you're required to spend change depending on day of the week. So right now, Disney offers what they call the Wishes Catered Event Experience, which is a shorter, cheaper way to have a Wishes wedding. But it's only available Tuesday through Thursday and only in that low season I mentioned of January through April and July through August. So you would have to look at, well, do we want to have our wedding on a Wednesday? A lot of people are a little bit concerned about that because they've grown up with the tradition of having a wedding on a Friday night or a Saturday night. However, What a lot of the brides I interview say is that when you're at Disney, you're on vacation and it doesn't matter what day of the week it is. You know, most people, when they go, they go for several days and it could be in the middle of the week and nobody's thinking, oh, a wedding on a Wednesday, that's weird because you're off work, you're at Disney enjoying your vacation there. So that's something to consider. Day of the week does impact memories and escape because those are only available Monday through Friday. And then, of course, we mentioned this a little bit earlier, but airfares are also cheaper on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Saturday. So if you can coordinate your wedding date with a Tuesday, Wednesday, or Saturday arrival or departure date, you're also going to save money on your airfares. So for instance, our wedding was on a Monday, and our guests were able to fly in on the Saturday before and fly out on the Tuesday or the Wednesday and save a lot versus flying on Monday or on Friday or Sunday. Our guests did the exact same thing because our wedding was on a Monday. They all flew in on Saturday and left on Tuesday or Wednesday as well, and they had great pricing. That's great. I guess people don't say this to the bride, but did you hear any complaints about, you know, oh, a Monday wedding, or were they totally cool with it? They were fine with it. I think because they're on vacation, so they just don't really care because they got to go to the parks on the Saturday and the Sunday. Then they pretty much had the morning to themselves because we had an evening wedding, so they were all fine with a Monday wedding. 
That's great. Yeah. And so then the next consideration, after you've picked your date, you've picked your day of the week, what time of day? And this is another factor that can greatly influence how much you're going to pay for your wishes event. So wishes minimum expenditures are lowest for brunch. And the next step up is lunch. And then the next step up is dinner. So if you do need to have your wedding on a budget, the way to save a ton of money is to have a brunch event. And sometimes people, again, who are maybe used to weekend evening weddings, think, you know, is that going to be weird? But tons of Disney weddings are held at brunch and it can be just as fun as an evening wedding. You still have dancing, you can still have characters, you could even have, you know, steak and dinner foods if you wanted. There's nothing that says, oh, because you're having a brunch event, you have to have waffles or something. So, A lot of couples are able to save a lot of money and have a less traditional brunch wedding, but it works out best for them because it allows them to afford a Disney wedding. The other great thing about doing brunch is people don't usually expect as much or any alcohol. So you can save a ton of money on your bar because you don't have to have as much alcohol. People aren't drinking as much. And that's another advantage, I think. I think so, too. We did a night ceremony, but we also got married in August, so it's rain season, so I didn't want to do an afternoon wedding, which worked out perfect because it rained all day until my wedding. (laughs) That's a really good point. Yeah, especially if it's hurricane season at Walt Disney World, it will rain pretty much every afternoon. So if you do a morning wedding or an evening wedding, your ceremony is probably going to avoid any rainstorms that might pop up. So hurricane season is like August, September, sometimes a little bit into October. And even as early as, I believe it starts in May or June, you can have afternoon rainstorms. So yeah, that's a great point. Okay, so you've decided that you can afford a wedding. Step two, you've picked your date, your day of the week, and your time of day. Now, what is step three if you want to get the ball rolling? You need to estimate the number of guests. So as we mentioned, how many guests you have is going to determine how much you pay for a wedding. Now, There are certain collections that actually limit your guest count. So we talked about this. Memories collection, you can only have four guests. Escape collection, you can only have 18 guests. Wishes, you can have as many guests as you want. You have to have at least 18 guests. But the more guests you have, the more you're going to be paying to feed them and transport them, maybe give them favors. So it can be in your best interest if you are able to limit your guest count. One thing to know is that the response rate for destination weddings generally ranges anywhere from 50% to 75% of the number of people you ask. Disney says that they have a higher than average response rate because people hear it's going to be at Disney and they want to make a vacation for their families. But from what I've seen talking to brides and grooms on my show for, you know, three or four years now is depending on how far away they live. I would say 50% to 75%. So if you live in Florida and you're an hour's drive from Disney, you're going to have way more yeses than if you live in California and none of your guests have ever been to Walt Disney World before. Yes, I completely agree because we were all from Canada. So we were lucky to get 50% of our guests coming. That's interesting. Do any of them own Disney Vacation Club or anything like that? Just my one aunt. The rest of them don't. A lot of them don't even go to Florida that often. We had a few families that owned timeshares off of Disney, which worked out great because they had larger families. So some of the aunts and cousins could stay together. But overall, there's only the one aunt that's a Disney Vacation Club member. 
Yeah, interesting, because that can be another determining factor. I know that, especially on the East Coast, there are families who have been going to Disney for, you know, your entire life. You grew up going to Disney, and maybe your parents own Disney Vacation Club or another timeshare. You're going to get a higher response rate because those people are used to going down to Disney, and they have a way to do it through their timeshares. Whereas if you're from someplace else, you've never gone, your family's never gone, or they've only been a couple times, you will probably get a lower response rate. Well, one thing to keep in mind is that you might want to purposely choose a smaller wedding to limit your guest list. I know I've spoken to a lot of escape brides who say that they actually liked the fact that they were limited to 18 guests because then they could just invite the people who really wanted to be there and they didn't feel compelled to invite everybody else. Or if their parents or somebody said, well, how come you didn't invite so-and-so? They could always just point to Disney and say, well, Disney limited my number of guests. So it sort of took the onus off of them. That is so true. If you have the smaller, like the escape or the memories, we couldn't do either of them. We had too many family members. But it sounds like it worked out great for you with your response rate and having enough people there that you felt like everybody got to be there to celebrate with you, but not so many people that it was like a financial burden. Yes. And it worked out good because I got to get all my little extras. (laughs) Right. Yes. Yes. Sometimes you'll find that if not enough people show up, suddenly you need to meet the minimums. And that's when you get to add all the fun stuff in. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) That's funny. What kind of stuff did you add? I added Minnie and Donald. Minnie Mouse is my favorite. Donald is Jeff's favorite. We did the uh, rose ice sculpture sorbets. And uh, we did the DJ. I had the coach. So I got my little special extras that I wanted. Wow, that's awesome. And did with the rose ice sculptures, those light up, did they do that presentation where they like play a certain song and they bring them all in? Yes, they play the song from the electric parade and they parade them in and they make the guests wave their napkins and everybody loved it. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. What a great thing to add. So when you're estimating the number of guests, you're not going to need an exact count the first time that you call Disney, but a ballpark figure is going to help you and help them narrow down which venues you'll fit in or qualify for and help you begin to estimate your costs. So that's step three. And then step four is to call Disney's Fairy Tale Weddings. That phone number is 321-939-4610. And 9 to 12 months out is a good rule of thumb. If you're doing a memories event, they can't book that until 6 months out. So they'll start talking to you, you know, maybe 7 or 8 months before, and they can help you get you information and everything, but you can't book it till six months. For escape, you can't book that until eight months out. So, you know, if you can call them nine or 10 months out and just get the ball rolling, start talking to them, find out answers to your questions, that's the timeline for escape. And then for wishes, you can start working with them up to 16 months out, but you can't book until 12 months out. And I know when you see timelines in wedding magazines, you hear people who are planning their weddings for two years or more, and and you think, my gosh, how am I going to plan this Disney wedding in a year? But believe me, they are pros. They have this timeline for a reason. (laughs) So there are plenty of other things you can do while you're waiting to be able to call them to be within that certain window. And I have a lot of suggestions for those in the Passporter. So when you call them, you know, about a month before when you can book, they can tentatively hold a date and location for you. And then on the actual 12-month mark for wishes or eight months for escape or six months for memories, they can then confirm that for you. That was probably the most stressful four months of my life. (laughs) What did you do? 
Well, I was just waiting for them to confirm if you got your date and the room you wanted and the time. I didn't like the lottery idea, so I'm glad that no other bride wanted my wedding day. That's a good point. Yeah, so for wishes, because you book so much farther out than the other events, there is the potential that you might have to go into a lottery if there's another couple who wants the same or similar combination of date, time, and location. So it's good to have backups, like I would be willing to have any time of day as long as I can have this date, or we could also do this date, or if we can't get this ballroom, we can go for that ballroom. Usually the only people who have to go into the lottery are those who want the wedding pavilion, like the Yacht Club gazebo, not super popular. And it's only during high season and times of week that are really popular, like a Saturday. So I wouldn't stress out too much about being in the lottery, but it is a good idea to have some other options or to be flexible about certain parts so that you can get something that's close to what you want. So when you make that first call, You need to understand that the person you're talking to is like a receptionist. This is not a wedding planner, and they do not always have the most current or accurate information. So you're not going to want to ask them a lot of questions like, can I have this location? Or um, I want to do this crazy out-of-the-box thing because they're always going to tell you no, it's not possible, and it's going to make you very sad. So (laughs) just give them your basic information. They will take it all down for you. It may be a few days, but you will then hear back from a sales consultant and that person can get you real answers. So that's the person to start asking questions of. And like I say, it may take a few days to hear back when they assign you the sales consultant. Sometimes they only do it once a week or once every two weeks or whatever. So, and that's another reason why it's good to call in advance rather than calling like exactly on your 12 month mark, because then you have a little built-in leeway to start working with your sales consultant. And the sales consultant is the person who's going to draw up your contract, help you pick your locations, do all of the sort of nuts and bolts, nitty-gritty business stuff related to having a Disney wedding. And then your planner is the person who you will be handed off to after you've signed your contract and all of that is finished. And the planner is the person who helps you do all the fun details, like what you're going to eat and what the decor is going to look like and all of that stuff. I heard back from the sales consultant about a week after, and you don't have a lot of communication back and forth with that person, but they're there to help you answer some questions and kind of give you a little bit of an idea of what your planning session is going to be about and get you, they can get you some pricing, um, not a lot, and it's mostly approximates because they change by the time you're actually at your planning session. That's a really good point. So for Wishes Collection events, you get to have an in-person planning session. And that's, it's like the first time you get to meet your, your wedding planner. So it's after you've been handed off from your sales consultant. So if you are doing a Wishes event, there are a lot of questions you're going to save up and you're going to want to ask your wedding planner when you get to that stage. Now, Escape and Memories They do not come with planning sessions, but because they are packages, they are really easy for Disney to put together, and you can do everything over the phone or online. Which is great. And they have, with the Memories and Escape collection, the nice thing is they give the bride and groom like a list of things that they can pick from, and there's pictures so they can pick their bouquets, and everything's all-inclusive, so it's not like the wishes where you have to sort of dream it up yourself, which is kind of nice. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. More pressure on you when you're a wishes bride to come up with everything. 
Well, and that's another tip I want to share. I would say that the next step that you would want to take is to start joining the online Disney Bride communities. So these are Facebook groups. There are message boards devoted to planning Disneyland weddings. There are separate ones for Walt Disney World weddings, Disney Cruise weddings. And that's where you can start to talk to people other people who are planning and get their ideas and their feedback and they share their tips with you. So that would be, I would say, maybe your step four and a half. And then I like to say step five is to buy Passporters, Disney Weddings, and Honeymoons. Not just because I wrote it, but because it is more than 200 pages of a guidebook specifically tailored to planning Disney's fairy tale weddings. So you'll find that when you start looking at wedding planners in the stores, they have a lot of stuff in them that doesn't apply to Disney weddings, and then they don't have stuff that you need to know for Disney weddings. So after my wedding, when I had been frustrated by this, I put everything I knew into a book that helps you plan specifically a Disney wedding. There's a 74-page bridal organizer at the back where you can track all your details. So like I mentioned earlier, there's an interactive budget where you can put in prices for things that you think you want, and it'll tell you, okay, that applies to your minimum. This is going to have this much service charge, this much tax. And it also has things like money-saving tips. Every chapter, there's a chapter for wishes, there's a chapter for memories, there's a chapter for escape. And I offer ways to save money and things you can do to keep costs down if that is important for your ability to have a Disney wedding. And then I also have a chapter on alternatives to Disney's fairy tale weddings. So the Swan and Dolphin, the Four Seasons, other ways to get married in the Orlando area and still have a Disney wedding. And then there is complete information on private dining and group dining. If you're doing an escape or a memories event and you want to have a meal after, since that's not included in the package, I give you ideas for different restaurants, restaurants that have private rooms or that are good for large groups and how much that costs. Also, every single step of the planning process. So there's a timeline in the back of each chapter. There's an escape timeline, memories, wishes that says, you know, this is what you want to be considering when you're 16 months out. This is what you might want to be doing when you're 12 months out. And that kind of mirrors what you would see in a regular wedding planner, except it's tailored exactly to Disney. So it has Disney deadlines in there and things that you might want to consider if you're planning a Disney honeymoon. And then, of course, as I said, the back is all interactive pages, so you can enter your own information and keep it all in one place. The ebook is a PDF that you can open on any mobile device, your iPad, your computer, and you can keep all the information in there and track it. And Every price that you're going to see in there is comprehensive and current. I update the ebook version two or three times per year because Disney changes their pricing and their policies a lot. So once you have purchased the ebook for the first time, you can then download it for free every time I update it. So I will send out an email and I'll make announcements on the various Facebook groups and you'll know, oh, okay, the passport has been updated. I can go download the latest version and you don't have to pay for it. And I also have a chapter on honeymoons and anniversaries. So if you're just going to Disney for your honeymoon or anniversary, this is going to give you tons of ideas of fun, romantic things you can do at the parks and resorts, how to plan special little experiences like tours or a private fireworks party or order a special cake. So if you're honeymooning or even going to get engaged, this has a lot of fun ideas to really round out your experience. Yes, I used your book for the whole planning. I followed all the timelines, the pricing guide, 
I used your tip on doing the bar based on consumption instead of just doing the all-inclusive bar. And we got almost $1,000 back. Like, it was amazing. Wow, that's great. I would definitely say to join a Facebook group that specializes in Disney weddings. Ooh. I'm in the Disney bride group. And those girls have helped me plan my wedding. If you would post something, they could give you tips on how to maybe find a cheaper option or cut something from your budget. And it's just like a really great environment to have somebody else that's already been through it give you tips and advice. Also, I recommend your book, Carrie, because it helped me through the whole process especially like the marriage license. I had no idea where I had to go for that. And I didn't know about the mail away with Bavard County, which was so helpful because we're in Canada. Um, I spoke with Chad that does all the processing and he ended up FedExing it to my office. So it arrived like two days after we got married. Wow. That's amazing. I would definitely still play around on the Disney wedding website just because you can get some, some ideas. They don't have a lot on their website. I got most of my ideas from the Facebook group, like the um, Rose Ice Sculptures. I had no idea they even did them. Because when they send you, once you've actually got your planner and you get the planning kit, there's not a description on a lot of the stuff. So I had to ask somebody, like, what are these? <laughs> yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, the Facebook groups are great because people post photos and they talk about those things. I try to put as much of that as I can in my book. I mean, I'm limited with photos, but I think I have a picture of the Cinderella slipper ice sorbet, maybe. You do. <laughs> yes, you do. But they come in so many different shapes, which I didn't know. I was just going to get the Cinderella one. And then they were like, oh, well, you're a Beauty and the Beast fan. Don't you want the rose? And I'm like, yes, I do. Now that I know it exists. <laughs> it's almost like top secret. Like we can't tell you until you get here. Yes. Yeah, that's a really good point. I, I think maybe it's just because they have so many options that they don't even know where to start. But it does seem like often with Disney, you need to ask more than they will volunteer things. And so that's where having the book, being a member of a community, seeing these things online can be really helpful. Yes. I would also say if you're listening to this show, check out DisneyWeddingPodcast.com. There are categories for each of the different types of weddings so that you can go listen to other people who have had those weddings and hear what they did, a timeline of their day. Also, there's a search box at the bottom. So pretty much anything you can think of that you have a question about, just put it in the search box and I probably have a show about it. So like I have a show about how to get your marriage license, how to save money on the bar, how to set up your room block, how to do transportation. So anything you might have a question of, try searching in the search box on DisneyWeddingPodcast.com. My only other tip that I would definitely recommend is look for outside photography and videography. It saved us a whole bunch of money, and I absolutely love my photographer. She was probably one of my favorite things of the whole day. That's wonderful. Yeah, and I do have shows about how to choose a photographer, how to choose a videographer. We have shows where we talk about how to use outside vendors for floral and decor because for wishes events, you can certain locations allow you to use outside vendors and you can save a lot of money that way. So again, it pays to do your research. And now that you've gotten the ball rolling, you can really dive right in and start learning about everything there is to know about Disney's fairy tale weddings. Alexandra, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. I think you've provided a lot of great, helpful information for anyone who's just getting started planning, and I appreciate your taking the time. Thanks for having me, Carrie. That's our show for today. 
If you enjoyed it, be sure to rate the Disney Wedding Podcast on iTunes so that others will find it. You can also send your comments, questions, and suggestions to info at DisneyWeddingPodcast.com. Past shows are available in iTunes and on the show's website. And for instant answers to all your Disney's Fairy Tale Weddings questions, check out Passporter's Disney Weddings and Honeymoons Guide, available as an interactive ebook with continual free updates at passporter.com weddings.asp or in print at passporter.com and amazon.com. <laughs>